Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 192 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by the infamous, the elusive, Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing? I'm good, Joe. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. Right, let's dive straight into the review part of the show. We're going to start in Australia at the Seagulls Rugby League Club. Uh, two fights to mention over here. The Twins, Andrew Maloney, 19-0, now 20-0. A knockout in the second round against Selimani Bangaiza, who's now 15-6. and Um... Bangaiza actually spat his mouthpiece out and refused to carry on, so... Uh, a clear quit there. Quite a shocker. Um, also, twin brother, like I say, Jason Maloney. He picked up win number 19. Obviously, he's got that one loss. It was for his WBA Oceana Bantamweight title. In the other corner, good luck, Marima, who's now 23-5. Uh, and five. He didn't have much good luck. A knockout in the third round there. So the two Maloney twins proceed with a win. Both knockouts there in the second and third round. Moving out now to Germany at the Sport and Congress Center. Um, couple fights to mention over here. Jack Kulkine now 26-4. and four, A win in his 30th fight. Unanimously over eight rounds against Stefano Castellucci. Who's now 32 and 9. Jurgen Bremer moved to 51 and 3. Um, a knockout for him in the second round against Erdogan Kadrija, who is now 11 and 2. Um, I believe that's a, that was a last minute change of opponent there. Also topping the bill, Tyrone Zoiger, 24 and 1 with one draw. It was for the EBU European Union Super Middleweight title in the other corner. Adan Silvera now 11 and 2. It was a TKO in the 10th round of a scheduled 12 there, so another win for Zoiger. Uh, moving out now to Latvia, this was complete controversy, but we're going to start here with the undercard fight. Uniel Dortikos, 24 and 1 now. It was a knockout for him in the 10th round against Andrew. Tabiti. Uh, Tabiti obviously loses his O. He's now 17-1. and one. It was for the vacant IBF World Cruiserweight title. Uh, Tabiti had a point, took off him in round six also. Um, it was a brutal knockout in the end. It was one of those shots when you saw it in, you know, in live action. I completely missed the shot. I had to see the replay to, to know which hand landed. And uh, it was a brutal finish. He was down for about a minute. You know, he was he was completely down and out. Um, you know, the KO doctor really did come through. We went, you know, we went to the predictions with that fight. We all picked Dortogos to win by knockout. Of course, that is what happened. So we all gained a point there. Uh, moving up now to the top of the builder, Maris Bradis, now 26-1. and one, But it wasn't without controversy, like I say. Christoph Glowacki, 31-2. and two. Um, It was a TKO in the third round. That is what actually happened. But um, to... to Go over this again, if if my memory serves me correctly. Bradis had a point deducted 
in round two. And basically what happened is the pair were holding and the referee called break. But Glowacki, just on the referee's call of break, it may have been a second after, he landed a shot in the back of Bradis's head. Um, obviously it was a rabbit punch, it's an illegal punch, but... I don't really think he meant to do it, and if he did, it was kind of borderline naughty, borderline accidental. You know what I mean? It wasn't like he went overboard with that. It wasn't a massive power shot or anything like that. And then Bradis retaliates with a straight left elbow to the face of Glowacki. Now, that is completely never, um, you know, never ever is that legal in boxing. That's a completely illegal move there. Um, so it was a lot worse, in my opinion, than what Glowacki did, and also it was after that, so it was way later, it was a complete reaction, and Glowacki went down on the floor, and if he laid down, he probably could have got a disqualification win, actually, but he decided to get up, he was ordered up, actually, by the ref, Robert Bird, who had his wife, Adelaide Bird, there ringside, I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw that pair, um, and basically, Glowacki got up, and then... He was seemingly dazed after the elbow. Then he gets up and, um, you know, I'm not sure if he was completely dazed or he was making a meal of it. But he then gets dropped by um, by, by Bradis. And then he gets back up and the bell goes. And the bell is going frantically. It's like ding, 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 ding. Honestly, Robert Bird doesn't hear a thing. Adelaide Bird doesn't signal anything to her husband. And the bout carries on. The bell is still going. It's going for about 10 seconds. I just couldn't believe it. And then, um, next thing you know, um, Bradis puts Glowacki down heavily with a shot he should never have took because the round had finished and then he goes down and he barely got back up and when he got back up referee Robert Bird was about to let him continue because he still hadn't heard the bell someone had to pretty much jump up on the ropes to let him know the round has finished and then obviously Glowacki goes back to his corner literally out on his feet he didn't know where he was and he comes out for the next round and gets knocked out so a lot of the Glowacki people are saying this is just unbelievable firstly he should have probably won by disqualification due to that elbow that Bradis threw. Secondly, he gets put down after that straight away. That's a turning point in the fight, really, the elbow. So he gets he gets put down after being dazed by the elbow. Then he gets dropped with a shot that actually happened well after the round should have finished. And that ends up playing a massive part in him being stopped in that third round. So, like I say, pure controversy. Um... It is just unbelievable. The WBC decided to, at the last minute, pull their belt out of that fight for some kind of disagreement between the WBC and the World Boxing Super Series. And it was almost as if it was a little curse, actually, when they took their belt away, because this happened. Um, But yeah, I kind of wish that they were still involved in the fight, because obviously their judges would probably get involved, and, you know, it would have been a big thing. But obviously this belt... Um, this this bout, I should say, I don't think was for a title in the end. So no sanctioning bodies are going to really be getting involved. You'd feel, um, but yeah, the commissions need to look at that. Um, you know, that was just appalling, in my opinion. Something needs to be done there. There needs to be justice there for Glowacki. Moving out now, though, to the first direct arena in Leeds, Yorkshire, United Kingdom. We're going to start with the undercard. Cody Davies now nine and zero points win over six against Harry Matthews. Matthews was actually down in the final round, but he managed to survive. It. Mark Heffron moved to 23 and 1, a win against Daniel Urbanski over six rounds on points. Jack Bateson actually moved to 10 and 0, a points win over eight against Bayardo Ramos. Ramos was, was down in the first round. 
Um, Alex Dickinson, the undefeated heavyweight, 10-0. and 0, He took on the danger man that is Camille Sokolowski. Sokolowski, though, pulled off the upset. Now seven wins, 15 losses, and two draws. It was on points, actually. Sokolowski usually doesn't get the win on points, I don't think. Usually he seems to get his guys out of there. He's, he's a real relentless, tough guy, Sokolowski. And we've got to give him credit because he's a heavyweight journeyman, and heavyweight journeymen practically don't exist because... You know, they can't keep taking big shots off big guys like that. So they don't tend to last too long. And we need to appreciate him while he's around because he always comes to fight Sokolowski. I've seen him lay out a few people. Um, also on the bill, Lyndon Arthur moved to 15-0. and A TKO in the very first round against Andre Soldra, who's now 15-7 and with one draw. Zelfa Barrett-Iaz against Leon Woodstock. Obviously, Zelfa Barrett 21-1, and Leon Woodstock 12-1. and I said that this fight had the potential to steal the show. Um... I mean, it really did have the potential to steal the show, but I think, if anything, Zelfa Barrett himself really stole the show in terms of his own performance. He was the most impressive fighter on the card for me. He becomes the new Commonwealth champion. He was uh, going into the fight, obviously, like I say, with that one loss. So did Woodstock had a loss as well. Both men um, were dropped in their losses, but got up to win. um, uh, Sorry, got up to lose, obviously, on, on, on points. And they both got up swinging, and they showed tons and tons of heart and character and I felt like this fight this fight would always go the decision it wouldn't it wouldn't end in a knockout I felt like Leon Woodstock would keep trying and so would Zelfa and quite frankly Zelfa Barrett just completely outclassed Leon Woodstock pretty much from the first bell but like I say credit to Leon Woodstock for sticking in there for carrying on and just you know trying to land big shots again and again and again um what really impressed me was the silky skills of Zelfa Barrett. I mean, his feints were fantastic. His movement was great. He's got good feet. The speed uh, was certainly with him. But Woodstock, you know, again, he, he passes the check on, on, on the heart. He's got that. Barrett was seemingly finding a home with big shots as early as the third round. I mean, Woodstock... He didn't wobble at all at any point, actually, but the shots were spiteful looking. They travelled from the hip of Zelfa Barrett, um, uppercuts and hooks, but he was class boxing from from Zelfa. Um, even his, his, his jabs, the spring in his step, the engine, the work rate late on in the fight. I was scoring it up until the fourth round. They gave every round at that point to Woodstock and after, uh, sorry, to Zelfa Barrett, sorry. And um, ever, since, ever since that part in the fourth round where I stopped scoring it, he seemed to just really run away with it, um, it was all Zelfa Barrett, he was totally schooling and dominating a very brave Woodstock, he seemed to be more than one league above him, um, he was light years really above Woodstock, so a tough place Woodstock's in now, um, I'd like to see him and Boy Jones Jr. perhaps, um, if they can, you know, maybe do a catch weight or something like that, I don't think they're both at the same weight anymore, but Zelfa Barrett, of course, very impressive win, um, he, he obviously joins Archie Sharp in the two guys at of, of, of beat Leon Woodstock, so that'd be a good fight down the line for those two, but Zelfa Barrett really impressed me there. Um, yeah, also on the bill, James Metcalf picked up win number 20. It was for the vacant Commonwealth Super Welterweight title. Metcalf actually had a point deducted in the eighth round for a low blow, and um, in that round, he managed to get Wellborn out there with a left hook to the body, so an eighth round TKO there for Metcalf. Wellborn, 24-8. and eight. That's a good win there for Metcalf, though. Obviously, solidifies himself as 
um, a kind of British level fighter at least. So very impressive stuff there. And topping the bill, Josh Warrington, 28 and 0, still. Still undefeated, 29-0 now. It was the defense of his IBF World Featherweight title against Kid Galahad. 26-0 going in. He loses his OIAS and obviously loses his chance at becoming world champion. It ended up with a split decision over 12 rounds. Did the right man win for you? I thought Kid Galahad done enough to win the uh, fight. Obviously, Kid Galahad, obviously, from the start of the round, he was using his jab. Um, obviously, Kid Galahad was using how he usually does bo- uh, boxer moves and obviously jabbing him. There was sometimes at like, close rounds, like towards the late rounds, where Josh Warrington like, actually pressured him a bit. And because of that, he's when nicking the rounds. The reason I think Josh Warrington won this fight, first of all, was because obviously he's the home fighter. And it was, it was on a Frank Warrington card, and he's a Frank Warrington fighter. And obviously because of that, I think that Josh Warrington, and I think Josh Warrington won the fight. Kid Gallard, I think he'd he done enough to win the fight. He should have won the fight, but if he, he shouldn't have lost the fight. If he should have been a draw, well, he should have won the fight. But uh, moving on, I think that kid Galahad, I think he's gonna, cut, I think he should have another fight and then do what Kyle Frampton did, like have a warm up fight and come back. That's what I think kid Galahad, kid Galahad should do. And I think that moving on with Josh Warrington, I think Josh Warrington now needs to have a huge uh, unification fight with either someone like a Leo Santa Cruz uh, or a big fight with um, Oscar Valdez or even Shaquille Stevenson, one one of the three big names. Yeah, I like all three of those fights actually. See, I'm letting everyone down when I say this, but I didn't score the fight. I mean, you know, I, I had it really close in my head, but I wasn't actually scoring it round by round. But I did say on last week's show that Kid Galahad brought something that Frampton and Selby didn't bring. He obviously has that awkwardness, the unpredictability. His ability, actually, to push Warrington back seemed to really nullify Warrington's strength and his come-forward style. Um, you know, he, he really had Warrington thinking in there, and Galahad was certainly controlling the pace early on. And, you know, like I say, a very, very close fight. I think Warrington racking up a few of the later rounds seemed to get him through in the very end of it. But, um, yeah, I mean, Eddie Hearn now has a job to do as Galahad's promoter to hopefully put his hand in his pocket and bring some big fights um, over here, I suppose, really, for Galahad, or even get him on the road. I'm sure he'd be happy to travel. Um, he's a good fighter, but, again, he's a little bit in that who-needs-him club because he's very good and... You know, he doesn't really have the the big following, the big fan base. He doesn't have the big money behind him or anything like that. So it's a shame because he's a guy that I think he's going to just be stuck, really, as an undercard fighter. I think if he beat Warrington in style, then he would have obviously become a main event fighter with the belt and stuff like that. But he goes back now to being an undercard fighter, and that's probably it for the rest of his career. He probably won't be a built-upper anymore. Uh, That's very unfortunate to say that, actually. Um... Certainly in Eddie Hearn's stable anyway. Um, I would hate to see him end up on next-gen shows because he's a good fighter. Uh, But yeah, you know, Warrington got the win, like I say. I think he probably just nicked it in the end, 29-0. and We'd like to see him in those big fights. Moving out now to the MGM Grand, or just before that, actually, let's talk about the predictions. Um, I went with... Zelfa Barrett to win on points, so did you, Ayaz, but the listeners went with Barrett by knockout, so we both gain a point there, Ayaz, and uh, we all went with Warrington to win on points, which did end up happening, but like I said, the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, we got to see 
Uh, Isaac Lowe moved to 18-0, friend of the show. He's got three draws. He also put his WBC international title on the line against Duan View, who's now 14-2 with two draws. A unanimous decision win over 10 there for Isaac Lowe. I think he got quite a bad cut on his forehead due to a clash of heads, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Also, heavyweight Guido Vianello, the Italian Olympian, now 4-0. I didn't even realize he was on the undercard. He got a TKO in the second round. He had his man down three times in that second round. His, his opponent was Keenan Hickmon, who's now 6-4 and four with one draw. Um, clearly overmatched there. Andy Vences, 22-0 with one draw. He stepped in against fellow undefeated Albert Bell, 14-0. It was for the WBC Continental America's Super Featherweight title. Uh, Vences, I think, was trying to move up in the rankings with the WBC. I know he's certainly ranked in the top 15 in the WBO, but he lost unanimously to Albert Bell. Again, a very, very close fight. Could have gone either way. Albert Bell seems like a bit of a problem, actually. He doesn't really have the punch power, but he's very, very tall and rangy. Good jab, good movement. Um, and he answered some questions in the chin department as well. So he was able to pull off the upset, I believe, there. Albert Bell, maybe one to look out for. 15-0 and 0 now. Um, commiserations for Andy Vences. Also, Michaela Mayer moved to 11-0. and 0, A points win unanimously over... 10 two-minute rounds against Lisbeth Crespo, who had a real tear-jerking story, actually. I wanted her to do well, but she was just um, overmatched, really, on paper. But she actually put in a good effort. 13-5 and five now, her record. Uh, Sullivan Barrera, 22-2 and two going in against Jesse Hart, 25-2. and two. That one was a unanimous decision over 10 rounds in favour of Jesse Hart. Both men were friends of the show. Um, I went with Barrera to win on points, so did you, as The listeners went with Hart to win by knockout, so no one got it right. But um, it was a brilliant, brilliant fight, it really was. I feel like that probably did steal the show. Um, well, in fact, no, no, I take that back. Tyson Fury certainly stole the show, but in terms of the undercard, it wasn't a bad fight. It was packed, full of action. Uh, I remember in the second round, Hart had a great round. Um, he should have actually scored a knockdown, but the referee, Jay Nady, I felt got it wrong. Um, he didn't score the knockdown. He said it was a slip. He said that Barrera slipped. Um, Barrera got back up and fired back and stuff like that. It was one of those fights where people were getting dropped, but then getting... Well, I say people. It was obviously Barrera, but I should take that back. I should just say people were getting hurt, but then they were firing back like more aggressively than they were a minute before they got hurt. It was really quite interesting. And I think it was in the fifth round where Barrera was staggered early on in the round, but he went on to really hurt Hart in the dying seconds. It was a brilliant... Um, action-packed round there. I think it was the fifth round. In the sixth round, I know that Barrera seemed almost ready to go about three times in the round, but somehow he stayed on his feet. And like I say, that was just the sixth round. He ended up surviving the distance. A tough guy is Barrera. I certainly didn't see him getting knocked out. I said that again um, on last week's show. I said that the guy moving up in weight, Hart, probably won't have enough power to bother him, but he did have the power. So Hart seems like he will be a threat to some of the big guys at 175, but but Sullivan Barrera is a tough, tough guy, even at his age. And topping the bill, Tyson Fury now 28-0. He's obviously got that one draw. It was a TKO in the second round over Tom Schwartz, the undefeated German, now 24-1. He loses his O, and in pretty bad fashion. Tyson Fury looked absolutely brilliant for me, Iaz. I'm going to let you talk about it first, though. 
It was only just a two-round fight, but it was um, it was just a two-round fight. But it was a brilliant, uh, brilliant performance by Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury used his jab. He was slicking. Obviously, um, Tom Short um, try to land a punch, could have landed a punch in the second round. Tom Short's for four punches with uh, uh, Fury. Uh, Fury just dodged all four of them, hit him off with a left hook, and obviously um, Fury just beating him up in, in the whole throughout uh, the whole two rounds. But I mean, it was a brilliant win performance. He made he made a huge statement, a second, another statement in the US. In the first, obviously, fight when he fought Wild and he got back up from the round, when he got back up from that right hook. And this time he made a huge statement and obviously sang the good old Aerosmith song with um, after a fight. But it's a good, brilliant performance by Fury. And I think he's made a huge statement in the heavyweight division. I hope you took some note there, Ayaz, of Tyson Fury singing Aerosmith, because you never know if you lose the prediction league, you may find yourself in a similar situation. But yeah, the predictions, we all actually went with Fury to win on points. Obviously, that didn't happen. He ended up getting him out of there. Um, What did I see from Tyson Fury? I mean, he was really aggressive. It was quite surprising how much he was letting his hands go. There was a strange bet that they had on Sky Bet. It was like a special, and it said, will Tyson Fury land 13 or more punches in the first round? It was something like 5 to 1. I put a little bit of money on it, and uh, I was thinking afterwards, I didn't really count them. I was trying to count them, and I was thinking, surely he must have landed more than 13 punches. And yeah, when I checked my, my, uh, my account, you know, they paid the winnings in already so very aggressive Tyson Fury he was in good shape obviously um in the second round he came out and he'd switched it up to Southpaw he kept his hands down he totally dodged that onslaught from Tom from Tom Swartz like you said I as um and it was just purely with head movement left to right it was a beautiful display of boxing obviously we knew that Tyson Fury was levels above this guy and I really liked the shot that Tyson threw. I can't remember if it was a left or right now. He's confused me because I forgot which stance he was in when he threw the shot. But it was a straight shot, straight through the guard. And it instantly broke Schwartz's nose. Um, you know, he became the first man, obviously, to drop Schwartz. And the referee made the call to stop it after a barrage of unanswered heavy punches afterwards when he got back up. So, um, yeah, it's a big statement. I mean, you can't really do much more than what he did. I mean, if Tom Schwartz was fighting Wilder, uh, you know, Wilder can only do him in the first round to to be more impressive than that. And we kind of expect Wilder to knock people out early. That's what he does. It's his strengths. Tyson Fury obviously isn't a big puncher, but he was actually sitting down on his punches. It really flowed well. Um, I don't want to go overboard on you know how good Schwartz was and how brilliant of a win this was because Tom Schwartz was so good and it was like a record-breaking win. It wasn't that. But from Tyson Fury to stop someone in two rounds, I'm going to have a look actually. And we don't like to do this on this show, but I'm going to have a little look here. When was the last time Tyson Fury stopped someone in two rounds? Because that must be a long, long time ago. Let's have a look here. Um... Two rounds or sooner, so a first or second round. When was the last time that happened? That was in 2010 against a guy called Hans Blasco. 2010. So, yeah, that was certainly um, a very positive win there for Tyson Fury. Credit to David Hay, actually, who said it was as impressive as Wilder's knockout over Brazil. Obviously, it wasn't as explosive, but... um, 
you know, credit where it's due. Obviously, again, Schwartz isn't as known as Brazil, but Fury needed to make a statement. Again, I said that on last week's show. He needed to, to, to make a statement like Wilder did. He needed to impress. It was his fight on pay-per-view. He needed to put in a good performance. It, it couldn't have been lackluster. Um, you know, he had to make the fight exciting, and it was, you know. So we've had three heavyweight fights, the top three, the so-called top three. Joshua against Ruiz, real exciting. Wilder against Brazil, real exciting. And obviously now Fury Schwartz, really exciting. Um, but yeah, he certainly made a statement for me. He looked like a, a big puncher in there. And it's great to see, in my opinion, the best heavyweight in the world make a statement like that and get an eye-catching win when he really needed it in his top-ranked debut. So all the credit to Tyson Fury. Moving out now, though, to Russia um, at the KRK. Two fights to mention over here. Alexei Egorov. This is certainly a fighter to keep an eye on. He moved to 9-0, a third-round TKO against Roman Golovashenko, who is now 20-4. Golovashenko um, was down once in the second round and once in the third, and then his corner actually threw the towel in. So Alexei Egorov, certainly one to look out for in the pro ranks. Topping the bill, though, Dmitry Kudryashov, the guy that either knocks you out or gets knocked out, um, he actually managed to continue that streak. It's still true. He's still got a 100% success rate of never going the distance. He's now 23-3. and free. It was for the vacant WBC Silver Cruiserweight title. Credit to Alunga Makabu, 24-2, and two, now 25-2. and two. Credit to Makabu. We saw him travel, obviously, to Goodison Park and get knocked out by Bellew, so we didn't think he was a great traveler. He traveled to Russia. Very intimidating place. And like I say, took on a complete devastating puncher like Kudryashov. And from what I could see, he actually took some big shots himself. So he showed a good chin, something that people didn't think he had when he when we saw him fight Bellew. And um, it just seemed like the technique from Makabu was so much better. I mean, his shot placement, knowing when the right time to throw the right shot is, was, was, was key. And um, he was just a little bit too classy really a little bit too cute for Kudryashov and Kudryashov in the end after taking a lot of big shots in the end um, he got TKO'd like I say in the fifth round there so a good win there for Makabu and the final bill to mention of part one um, it was at the Woodhouse Park Lifestyle Centre a bill here um, with Kieran Farrell Promotions and Joe Gallagher Joe Gallagher had his first little taste of what it's like to be a boxing promoter and obviously the guy that he trained Stephen Smith fought on the card he picked up win number 27 he's got those four losses it was a points win over six rounds against journeyman jamie quinn now five and 86 with two draws so yeah that's about everything stephen smith a friend of the show always got to mention a friend of the show but that is about everything for the review part of the show just before we wrap up part one it's now time to welcome our first guest Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBO heavyweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Joseph Parker. Joseph, welcome back on the show, my friend. Thank you, brother. Good to be back. Hey, it's always great to have you back. It truly is. So, Joseph, we last spoke around about a year ago. It was just before the Dillian White fight, uh, which, by the way, went on to be a very, very close fight, and one that you nearly actually had your man out in the very last round. Have you got any regrets about that night in London? A while ago now, obviously. Um, You know, when you look back, you always you want to um, change things that you did in the ring. But, um, you know, he won all day, so he would be the better man on the day. I know I have the ability to beat him. So as much as I want to, you know, I, I would love to have the win, but now I'm just looking forward and, um, you know, aiming to 
be involved in big fights again. <clears throat> For sure. And then, like I say, you obviously went on to beat Alexander Flores in just three rounds back in December. And the latest news is that you've signed with Matchroom uh, the day before the AJ fight, funny enough. That was when it got announced. And then, like I say, the following day, he loses to Andy Ruiz. Um, what did you think of the fight, Joseph? And was it as big of an upset in your mind compared to that of other people? Uh, yeah, before the fight, myself and Kevin mentioned um, how hard Andy hits and the pressure that he puts on, and, you know, he takes a punch to give a punch, or he takes a punch to give more punches. So um, we didn't expect him to, to win like that, but it was, uh, it was a little surprised how he won. And But we did, we weren't surprised at his ability and what he could do in the ring. You know, with uh, he had a great amateur uh, background, and also, you know, he had a lot of fights, and a lot of people didn't know much about Andy until they saw him with Joshua. And then, you know, obviously he put on a great performance, got to victory, now he's uh, in the history books. He certainly is, and Ruiz beating Joshua for you, I'm guessing is a kind of good and bad thing, because on one hand, it makes your win over Ruiz look 10 times better than than it did, and on the other hand, I'm guessing one of the more lucrative reasons that you signed with Matchroom was because you wanted that AJ rematch, you wanted that shot at his free world titles, which obviously ended up completely... uh, changing the the whole plan just changed 24 hours after you signed so i'm basically asking you are you happy or sad about what happened because it's good and bad for you <laughs> you, you know when you look at the um you know boxing is full of surprises and i think uh you know with andy when obviously we were the only you know team that beat him so it looks good for us but also yeah we did want a rematch with joshua down the line but i guess you know boxing is um it was, a, it was a good surprise, and I think it opened up the vision a lot more. So I feel like there's a lot more bigger fights to be made of uh, all the top heavyweights in the world. And of course, your next fight was originally supposed to be against Eric Molina, but it's now going to be Alex Leopai at the Dunkin' Donuts Centre in Providence on June 29th. What do you know about Leopai, um, Joe? I'm guessing that you probably rang up Malik Scott once a fight got made. <laughs> um, you know, we had uh, Eric Molina lined up, and obviously that didn't go through. And you know, we're, we're training hard for him and the style that he brings. And you know, we had two or three other guys that we had. Um, as a backup, and that fell through as well. So I think Alex is the only fighter who put up his hand, you know, the available fighter who was keen, put up his hand and willing to come and fight us in Providence. What I know of him is that he, you know, he's very um, dangerous in the beginning of the fight, and then uh, you know I'm not sure if he's um, has, has the best fitness at the moment. But I mean, in the, in the first, I reckon three, four, five rounds, he'll be very dangerous with you know big overhand rights and, and left hooks. So I have to be very cautious in the beginning, but um, you know, I'd like to break him down and up him out. That's what I'll do. Okay, and have you ever actually met Alex before? Is there any rivalry there at all? Not so, there's no uh, rivalry, but um, you know, anyone that sits in the ring against me, you know, you know, when it's in the ring, you got to take care of business and you know, do your best to bash him up. And after that, you know, you guys can shake hands and be friends again. I've met him once, you know, when he was fighting Klitschko for the world title, but that's that's the only time I've met him. Okay. And Joe, just looking at the kind of plan that, that has been set out for you, I know that you obviously won't look past Leopie, but have you kind of discussed with Eddie Hearn what the plan is, who might be after the likes of Leopie at this stage? Um, you know, we're just looking at, um, at this fight at the moment. We've got, you know, other dates and there's other possibilities of fighting in this card and that card, but, you know, we can't really uh, focus on that or give our attention those future fights unless we take care of business first 
But in saying that, you know, hopefully we do take care of business. There's a lot of big fights to be made, and we want to fight uh, the best out there. So I'm sure we can make it happen as long as we uh, take care of business. And you were sat ringside for for Fury versus Schwartz on the on the weekend just gone. Tyson put on a real punch perfect display. What did you make of the fight, Joe? I think it was a great fight for um, Tyson to display the skills that he has. You know, he he looked like he was enjoying himself in there. You know, southpaw, orthodox, and he threw. You know, actually we saw him put on the pressure sometimes, and like the angles he was making and the defense that he displayed was very uh, you know very good for a fighter of his size. And I think it's, it's uh, for him being you know, back from uh, the hard times that he had, it's good for, for boxing, good for the heavyweight division. He's very exciting. He's a very exciting fighter to sort of listen to and, and to watch. And so it's, uh, it's good to have some character in the division. Absolutely. And coming down to the last couple of things I've got for you, Joe, I have to ask, um, in your opinion at this stage, who do you believe wins that rematch should it happen uh, between between Anthony Joshua and Ruiz? Um. You know, both fighters will be a lot more improved coming into the rematch. And I guess it's just whoever, you know, executes their plan. I know Andy Ruiz will be a lot better and he'll put on more pressure and throw more punches. But I think Joshua, as a, you know, he was a former unified champion. You know, he'll come back a lot more prepared as well. And I think with a different game plan. I think he has to box him from the outside and move. Andy's one of those fighters that you can't just stand there and trade because, you know, he's got some, you know, some good power. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to let you sit on the fence there then. <laughs> I'm sitting on the fence at the moment, so, and the fence is quite high. <laughs> and Joe, have you got any closing words just before we let you go to your UK fan base, obviously a real loyal fan base for yourself? Listen, we we love uh, the the, um, the supporters in the UK and we'd like to thank you for the great support for myself and our team. You know, the UK is, for us is like another home. And so even though we're fighting in the, in the U.S. for our next fight, you know, we'll, we'll be back in the U.K. And uh, we'd love to, you know, for them to continue to support us. And uh, we look forward to meeting everyone once we're back. Absolutely. We cannot wait to have you again, Joseph. Listen, it is always a pleasure catching up with you, my friend. You know that. Best of luck on the 29th, and we'll catch up sometime after. Thanks, my friend. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Ayaz, what you got? Um, Tony Yoko will return to the ring in a heavyweight clash against Alexander Dimitrenko on July 13th in Antibes, France. It will be the 2016 Olympic gold medal's first fight back after a one-year ban for missing free drugs tests. Yeah, I mean, Tony Yoko, there's lots and lots of question marks, lots and lots of red flags. I think, I mean, innocent until proven guilty, but he's missed these tests. He hasn't been there. He's, he's, he's kind of, you know, misinformed the drug testing agency of his whereabouts. It certainly seems like he had something to hide. And then he's actually got the front to blast drug cheats like Jarrell Miller. But anyway, LOL about that. Um, he takes on Dimitrenko, a man that so, so badly passed his peak. He's just turning up now for, for, um, for paydays. Really. It's sad to see, cause he was actually a decent fighter, Dimitrenko about 10 years ago, but yeah, now he just turns up and, and loses. He obviously fought Ruiz in Ruiz's little warm-up fight for Joshua, if you like, that he didn't know was a warm-up fight for Joshua because he hadn't yet known anything about the fight, and it was five and a half weeks later. But anyway, um, yeah, not a fight I'm going to be staying up for at all. In fact, it's in France. I won't even be watching it at all, even if it's at a good, sensible time. <laughs>
Yep, and that's it for the news. Thank you very much, Ayaz. Right, moving over now to the preview part of the show. We're going to start here um, tomorrow, actually, the 21st of June, Friday, at the York Hall in Bethnal Green, London, United Kingdom. A uh, couple fights to mention on the card. Let me just make sure that I'm getting this right here. Um, I heard that Reese Bellotti is fighting on the card, but I haven't heard any updates. Yes, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. So Reese Bellotti, 13 and 2. He's in a six rounder against Jose Bendana, who's 10 and 11 with four draws. Bellotti hasn't fought since his loss at the back end of last year against Ryan Walsh. Uh, also on the bill, Charles Frankham. It's uh, it's going to be his second pro fight. He's one and zero. Oh. He takes on Ilgvar's Krauklis, who's one and four. Shannon Courtenay, two and zero. Oh. She's in a six rounder against Flora Machella, who's six and five. Um, Dwayne Sinclair, ten and zero, oh, four knockouts. He takes on journeyman Anthony Fox, seven and twelve. Fox isn't a puncher. That's the only thing. A lot of people are saying he he's got the potential to cause an upset here, but he's just not a puncher. So. Um, You'd expect him, if he's going to win, to to obviously win on points. And he's a tough guy. He's only been stopped the one time as well. So that's interesting. Um, he got stopped by Dow Coin. Okay. Yeah, so that could be interesting there. Uh, Connor Bem, 14-0. He puts his WBA Continental Welterweight title on the line against Jussi Kavula. I remember you announcing this, Ayaz, at the time when it first, first got announced. And... Um, I said that we're going to look at this guy a little bit closer to fight to fight week or whatever, and here we are. Um, you know, the, the thing about Conor Ben, and I've said this for a while, he's got 14 wins now. And when you look at the guys he's boxed, most of them have got under 10 or even under 5 pro fights in total. He's really been fighting guys who are not that experienced, but this is the most experienced by far. This guy here, Kavula, um, he's had 31 fights. Um... I'm looking through. I mean, he's he's mixed it with Samuel Vargas, obviously, who we saw take on Amir Khan. He actually lost a split decision over 10 rounds. So looking at that, I think, whoa, this is a hard fight. Um, he lost unanimously to Mohamed Mamoun. That's the guy that... Um, was it the guy that beat Sam Eggington, wasn't it? Yeah, the guy that beat Sam Eggington. So that's that's interesting. He went the distance with him. He, he got knocked out in nine rounds by Leonard Bundu. Um, he's got a few decent guys on his record, to be honest with you. But the thing is, all these all these big standout names are all losses, and you know that's really his claim to fame. Probably there, the fact that he went the uh, the distance and lost a split to Samuel Vargas um, in his in his very last fight. He actually boxed in April against Jordan Wise. This one was for the EBU European Union welterweight title. He lost that one unanimously as well. So quite a tough guy actually it's a very very hard fight for Conor Ben and I'd like to see the odds because I tell you what an upset could seriously be on the cards uh, also on the bill Ted Cheeseman 15 and 1 he puts his British title on the line against Kieran Conway 12 and 1 um, obviously Ted Cheeseman needs to get back to winning ways he's uh his, his his loss was pretty bad, and it's going to be interesting to see actually how he bounces back. He's dropped down a level to British. He's staying away from the European, and like I say, he takes on Kieran Conway. His only loss actually was to Derek Osazi, I think his name said, who's an undefeated fighter. But you'd expect Ted Cheeseman, if nothing has been taken out of him from that fight against Sergio Garcia, to to have enough to win. It's twelve rounds there, but the fight that really steals steals it 
you know, for me in terms of the main event, I'm not sure if it is the main event, but this one really is the one I'm most excited for. Craig Richards, 14 and one, friend of the show. He takes on the undefeated Andre Sterling, 10 and 0. Um, Andre Sterling in his last fight got a real good win against Ricky Summers, so that really is a fight that I'm just super, super looking forward to. But I'm expecting Craig Richards to get the job done. Uh, that's it though for York Hall. Moving out now to the Ulster Hall in Belfast, Northern Ireland. A couple of fights to mention out here. Tyrone McKenna, 18 and 1 with one draw. It's for the vacant WBC International Super Lightweight title against Dara Foley, 17 and 3 with one draw. Um, Stephen Ward, 11 and 0. He fights for the vacant WBO European Light Heavyweight title against Liam Conroy, 17 and 4 with one draw. That's a brilliant, brilliant fight. That's 10 rounds there. Um, Paddy Gallagher, 15 and 5, takes on the undefeated Liam Wells, who's only 5-0. and That's an 8-rounder there. Uh, that's about it for that one. Moving out now to the Fantasy Springs Casino in Indio, California, USA. Andrew Cancio tops the bill. 20-4 and with two draws. He puts his WBA World Super Featherweight title on the line against Alberto Mercado, 21-1. and I've got a feeling that's a rematch. I think those guys fought before. Uh, also on the undercard, Angel Acosta, 20-1, and puts his WBO World Light Flyweight title on the line against Elwin Soto, 14-1. and There aren't any prediction um, leagues or predictions on this week anyway because the fights just aren't as thrilling as the ones that we've kind of... Uh, been predicting on the last few weeks so we're having a week off with the predictions this week uh, moving out now to Germany two fights to mention over here Fira Arslan 45 and 8 with three draws he's about 48 years of age um, he's in a 10 rounder against Caesar Krenz who's 23 and 12 that's a silly fight there really Erkan Tepper 19 and 3 in an even sillier fight he takes on Samir Barokovic who's 3 and 28 that's 8 rounds there moving out now to Spain at the Polideportivo Vicente Trueba. Uh, we get to see over here. We mentioned him a moment ago, actually. Sergio Garcia. It will be his 30th fight. He gets the chance to move to 30 and 0. Um, it's for his EBU European Super Welterweight title. He takes on Sergei Rabchenko, 29 and 4. He's looking for his 30th win. Also, I remember Rabchenko getting iced by Kel Brook in a couple of rounds. Um, I don't think he really puts up anything of a threat, really, to Sergio Garcia based on his excellent win over Cheeseman. Uh, moving out now to York Hall, because there's two there's two cards at York Hall this weekend, one on the Friday, one on the Saturday. This one is on the Saturday. Um, couple fights to mention over here. There's two. Ashley Fearfame, friend of the show, the man with the most wins of any other active British boxer. 46 wins he's got. He boxes in the UK for the first time in seven years. He's come back from the money team. He's come back from Dubai, where I think he had a fight. He's had a few fights here, there, and everywhere. He's had a bit of a world tour. 46 and 8 with one draw. He He's in an eight-rounder against Fahim Khan, who's 14 and 10 with two draws. Um, and also, a brilliant fight to mention here. Well, it's not a brilliant fight. It's just an interesting fight. I'm going to jog everyone's memory here. Roxana Begum, the lady that signed with Haymaker Promotions. She boxed on a Joe Joyce undercard. Um, you know, she had quite a cool story. A Muslim lady that never told her parents that she was into boxing. Then all of a sudden... You know, she was having a fight on TV. I'm not even sure her parents knew about it. Um, she had a cool story, likable lady. Um, and yeah, zero and zero with one draw because she took on, if you remember, Ivanka Ivanova, who was rumoured to be in the cafe outside York Hall a few hours before the fight, 
smoking down cigarettes, chain-smoking cigarettes before the fight. And she came in to the actual fight with no cup on, and it was a complete, complete disaster. And in the end, it ended up with a draw. Whereas a lot of people felt like Ivanova did enough to win the fight. Well, she's back. It's a rematch. It's the long-awaited rematch. It's been over a year. Roxana Begum has gone away, tried to correct the problems and, and, and just come back and try and avenge that that well that draw really tries to put the uh, tries to right the wrong I should say so that'd be interesting if anything Ivanka Ivanova don't spend any time chain smoking cigarettes outside that is a four rounder four two minute rounds there and moving out now to the final couple of bills um this one is at the Rosecroft Raceway in Fort Washington Maryland USA couple friends of the show here we're going to start with Hassim Rackman Jr he was on last week's show 7 and 0 he's in a 6 rounder no opponent just yet and Keith Hunter the younger brother of Michael Hunter he has a record of 10 and 0 it's a 6 rounder no opponent just yet for him either and the final bill to mention takes place on Sunday at the Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. couple fights to mention. Jamel Charlo, obviously his fight against Tony Harrison fell through, the rematch, but he still fights 31-1. and He's in a 12-rounder against Jorge Cota, who's 28-3. and um, Ledwan Bartholomew, the brother of Rancis Bartholomew, 14-0 with one draw. The Cuban takes on Jose Cayetano, who's 21-6. and um, Who did Cayetano box recently? I've definitely seen that name a couple times. He boxed... Um, oh, yeah, he boxed Kid Galahad. And he boxed Scott Quigg. And he boxed Leo Santa Cruz. So he's a real opponent, but it's a bit of a measuring stick fight for Bartholomew, who wants to follow in the footsteps of Brother Rancis and become a world ruler. Um, and also, I should just mention there on Hoge Kota... Um, I mean, look, we were we were really looking forward to the rematch between Harrison and, and Charlo, but, uh, I mean, Kota, not not a great fighter. I mean, he got knocked out in four rounds by Eriksson Lubin. The one threat I'd say about him is he's got 28 wins, 25 by knockout, so he really can punch. He's obviously got the three losses. His last fight actually was a loss, a split decision. Um, so yeah, might be interesting, but I doubt it. Charlo is a fantastic fighter. He should be a, a real league above this guy. And topping the bill over here, I said it, even when the fight initially fell through between Charlo and um, and Harrison, I said that he would still be fighting on the card. Guillermo Rigondo, 18-1. and one. He steps in against Julio Cesar, who's 32-3. and three. Rigondo has only fought once since that fight against Lomachenko, and it was a first-round knockout back in January of this year. But like I say, his opponent, Julio Cesar, um, well, he actually hasn't boxed since it's been about a year, um, and he lost his last fight. He actually retired on his store after four rounds against Franklin Manzanilla. So you'd expect Rigondo to have way, way, way too much for him. Um, but I'd like to see Rigondo go a few rounds, because like I say, he hasn't done that since that Lomachenko fight. He's not the most exciting fighter. And at his age now, I'm forgetting how old Rigondo is. He certainly... Well, some people are throwing the towel in. I'm not quite sure about that. I mean, he only had a one bad performance, really. But he is 38 years of age. He's almost 39. So... Uh, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see how he looks. We'll have to be watching that one with a keen eye. But that's about it for the preview part of the show. That is everything. Just before we wrap up part two, the last thing to do is to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the man ranked number four in the world with the WBO. It is, of course, Mr. Alontes Fox. Alontes, welcome back on the show, my friend. It's a pleasure to be here, man. I love 
Love being on Barstow's podcast. Hey, man, we love having you on here, Alantis. Thank you for that. We last spoke in October 2017. Apologize, uh, or I apologize. It's been... It's been quite a while. That podcast, by the way, on a side note, happened to be one of my very favourite podcasts ever. Um, but yeah, how have things been since then, Alontis? Everything's been slow, man. It's been good, but it's been slow. You know, I, I, I appreciate each blessing as it comes, but it's been real slow since the last since the last time I said to you. And obviously, we spoke. It was just after the Andrade fight. Uh, you've had the two fights since then, two wins. The most recent one was last month against Nick Brinson. Obviously, you had him down in the first round. Talk me through it. Were you fighting on his promoter's show? Um, no. So we were actually fighting on a local promoter show. Uh, a guy named, I mean, the, the company is called Tricky Entertainment. They're kind of new on the boxing scene, but they're, they're trying to put on some great shows, and that, that was a great show. And, um, you know, for the fight, I mean, going in the fight, I kind of knew. Uh, Nick Brinson had been scouted a couple times, a few times, uh, and and I was going in there looking for the same thing. Honestly, I knew he couldn't fight backwards, and I knew that you know he seems to fold in the pressure a little bit. You know, shout out to Nick Brinson; he was a very strong competitor. You know, he didn't go down easily, but when it was you know when it was time, uh, it was time for me to put him out there. I did. I, you know, I overworked him. I kept working him. I kept hitting him with some shots, and this corner decided they didn't want to see him. And I want to talk about, real quick, your younger brother, Michael. Obviously, he's been really impressing lately. A controversial loss to Ergashev back in February, but that's followed by a dominant win over Gabe Nazarov last month. I'm sure you're more than proud of him. Way more than proud, man. It was an incredible and extraordinary win. My brother, you know, and like he said, man, who, who thought, whoever thought an amateur with a 40 and 60 record would be the gold medal Olympian. You know what I mean? It was a, it was a great fight. I, I don't... You know, I listen to the commentators on there, and they kind of weren't giving Mike his credit at all. But I'll be the first to all to let him know I'm, I'm proud of him, and I, I think he did his thing. Even in the Ergashev fight, I thought he was doing his thing. I thought he was, I thought he was doing very well. You know, they 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 stacked all the odds against him, but you know, he went there, fought a great fight, and like you said, it's con- it was a controversial uh, decision. You know what I mean? I thought I thought at most, I didn't think he won that fight, but I thought. Uh, I thought it could be a draw. I didn't think uh, I didn't think Ergashev did anywhere near enough to come out completely uh, victorious, and especially on in the, in the wide margin he did on those cards. So, yeah, for sure. You know, I'm extremely proud of Michael Fox. You said there about his amateur record. I remember reading something about that, and I couldn't quite believe it. So he had a hundred amateur fights, forty and sixty. Yes, sir. So he actually lost yeah. more than he won. Yeah, he won. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I watched him. I was, I got to witness that. You know what I mean? I, I watched him, and it wasn't, it wasn't a lack of talent. It was a lack of effort. You know, in the training field, you know, he just didn't, he just didn't perform the effort you would see a champion. The effort he puts forward now, you know, to be a champion, he was not putting forth anywhere near that much effort. You know, and it showed. You know, his fights will always be really close. He also had a very, uh, it's, it, it style was more pro like. You know what I mean? So, you know, his his transition to the pro game was easy, I felt like, because he's always had that style. Now, that's incredible to think. I mean, he is such a force now to be reckoned with. You'd never believe it's the same guy. Absolutely. Um, so the latest Absolutely. the latest news with you, Alontis, is that you were linked with this Liam Williams fight, but he ended up choosing somebody else. What exactly happened from your point of view here? So from what I'm hearing, from my, from my side, all I hear is, well, we went to we went to a deliberation maybe two weeks ago, right? They 
they talked they were they were gung ho on this um on this rematch clause. And of course we we told them, yeah, of course we'll we'll take the rematch clause. It's it's fine, you know, we we're fine with that, right? So a week later after that, um we found out they don't want to do business at all anymore. They don't want to fight at all anymore. So we just not we're just not gonna do it. You know what I mean? I'm like I I'm sitting there, I was waiting patiently, my my advisor, my morale, my my promoter, new development, they 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 were trying to make it happen, but uh I'm I'm assuming like even talking on Twitter, Van Williams seems to not know that I was the opponent. But and, you know, if they send me a contract right now, I sign a contract to fight him tomorrow. He's not you know, they 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 decided on their on their own that it's not I guess it's not a smart decision or something. I, I'm not sure why they don't want to fight him, but the guy that's fighting and you know, in turn the you know, the main I was supposedly supposed to be a, a backup plan, but he the guy he's fighting is like I mean his record in comparison sucks. So do you think Alantes that you know, it obviously went from you know, talking about it, discussing things, actually going into contractual details like a rematch clause. Do you think that they, perhaps after that, sat down, had a little deeper look at you and decided, no, this is a bad, bad move. We're going to completely do a U-turn. Is that what you think probably happened? I'm assuming that's exactly what happened. I mean, to go from deliberating and fight, to fighting me, from, from fighting me to this guy who's 27 and 5 with five knockouts. So he has five losses and five knockouts in his 27 wins. That seems like the much safer route to go for a guy. You know what I mean? Especially a guy where he's 20. He has, he's 27 as well. He's 20, um, 22 and 1. You know what I mean? I guess it's, it's a much safer route to go, especially if you're trying to hold on to a belt. If you're trying to hold on to that hardware, and it seems like they're trying to hold on to that hardware for their life. And so, obviously, Williams' team reached out to to your team first. And because of this, is he the guy right now, Alontis, that's at the very top of your hit list? Well, the only reason he's at the top of my hit list right now is because this is the last guy I heard we could we, we could possibly have a fight with. When you know, whenever whenever somebody turns me down, it, it angers me. It makes me upset. You know what I mean? So they automatically get to the top of my hit list just because of that. Like, why are you turning the fight down? Fight with me down. Don't you want to be a champ? I mean, if you can beat me, it's, it's going to say something about you anyway. You know what I mean? And then, uh, you know, uh, I mean, of, of course, first on my head, let's reach his But, you know, you say he's, a, he's up there. Right now, he's up there. Liam Williams is definitely up there right now. Up there with Demetrius Andrade, you said there. I think it just cut out a sec. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely up there. So obviously, again, you and you and Williams, you've both got world title ambitions. You've both only lost to one man, and both of those men that you guys lost to, are, you know, they're world champions. I mean, it, it makes good sense to me. Um, are you are you willing, Alontes, at the minute to to kind of wait out the time and try and get the fight perhaps later on in the year, or are you not really hanging around for that? I'm not really hanging around for that. I think this was a. Uh... More than likely a one-time offer thing, you know. I mean, if they want to, they want to do it. Like, really, I'm on Twitter and talking my trash now because I'm thinking we have, we still have time to make that fight if it needs to happen or if it can't happen. You know what I mean? But I, I'd rather go. I'd rather take my time elsewhere and go ahead and get in, get another fight within these next, you know, within these next couple of months. To be honest with you. 
and I want to throw a bit of a fantasy fight at you um, at middleweight. It's probably not too much of a fantasy fight because it could potentially happen, but I don't see it happening any time uh, in the near future. Demetrius Andrade against Daniel Jacobs at middleweight. Who wins that for you? Uh, I wasn't really super impressed by either of their last performances, especially Danny Jacobs. I didn't, I didn't like his last performance. I felt like he went in there kind of, um, I don't want to say timid, but uh, that is kind of how it was. He can't, he went in there kind of timid and tense. More, I mean, more tense than I've seen him as of late. You know, what I mean, like even against that Triple G fight. So, if I had to speak on it, I think I will. I think I will pick Demetrius Andre under fire. I think he'd be much busier. He, he'd be a little, little more smoother. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe even more defensively sound, but I want to say, you know, Danny Diggs definitely could put up a hell of a fight. I mean, that's kind of a that's kind of uh, a coin toss in there because Danny Diggs is definitely a strong. He's he's way bigger than Demetrius Andre. He's definitely stronger than Demetrius Andre. And I mean, you know, who knows what will happen? But I, I think I think I'd go with the with the world champion. And I want to ask you also. I mean. Obviously, this this fight is a fight that you really thought was in the bag. Obviously, it seems like it's it's not going to happen, unfortunately, for for us and for yourself and for many others. Um, have you got any other options, like instant options, right now, or are you just simply waiting for what comes up? Honestly, I, I think we had uh, we had our hopes set on this one. Uh, we don't really, I haven't really heard anything else from my advisor, my uh, promoter. They were really they were really putting stock into this fight right here, so. And that's that's also that's what angers me as well. I was I was thinking this is going this is the next thing. The Nick Bunsen fight was kind of last was last minute, and we got it. And we you know we did it. We, we performed well in that fight. But this time I was going, I thought I was going to be able to get a camp and uh, be able to. I love to get in the UK. They gave me a lot of grief, but I mean at the same time, man, you guys got it. Didn't want to sign a contract with me, not vice versa. Yeah, it would have been great to see you over here. And like I say, perhaps it does. Uh, happen sometime down the line or even another opportunity this side of the water comes around for you um what is next for Absolutely. what is next for your brother michael alonzis is it still a bit early for him or is there any talks of when he'll next be out it might be a little early for him as well um you know with, with us being the height we are the weights we are we don't really get a lot of offers you know and so when when offers up it's kind of like this may be the only option right then there. So, it's, you know, it's, it's this option or no option at all. So, we're kind of waiting for Michael Fox. Uh, waiting on him. Waiting on, a, I guess, a call for him. You know, we'll see what direction he's going with his, with his team, his promotional company. And hopefully, hopefully he'll be getting something soon as well. Hopefully we'll have some good news for you soon. Excellent, man. We'll stay tuned for that. I just wanted to throw it over to you lastly, Alontes, if you've got any closing words for our listeners before we let you go. The floor is yours. Nah, yeah, man. I'm, I'm, uh, like I said, I'm, my name is Alante Slides of Fox. Man, you can follow me on everything at Slides of Fox. That's S L Y A Z A F O X. Again, that's S L Y A Z A F O X, man. I'm, I'm a force to be working with, it, man. I don't want war with the giant. You know, my team is the dream. My stabilization was, uh, you know, it's, it's gonna be, it's, it's gonna be, a, it's gonna be a lot of me trash talking a lot of people because I'm always gonna be asking for fights. I'm not, I'm not afraid to fight anybody in the middle of the division, man. If they, they want to sign a contract and. Uh, another thing, uh, the biggest thing is people in the top 10, if, if you ask your folks or ask any of your uh, your, your management team if my name has been on your, on your table, I guarantee they tell you, yeah, it has been, and they, they turn me down. So uh, if you if you like to fight a long test, Fox, uh, if you feel like it's an easy win, I'd love to sign a contract to fight you. Thank you. 
and that goes out to everybody in the top 10. There's no one there that that doesn't go out to. Alontes, listen, it is always great speaking with you, my friend. Thank you for your time, and I'm sure that we'll speak again real soon. Thanks so much, Joey. I appreciate that. Okay, and this wraps up episode 192 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the former WBO heavyweight world champion, Mr. Joseph Parker, and the WBO number four world-ranked middleweight contender, Mr. Alontis Sly as a Fox. The Prediction League currently stands at myself and Ayaz joint in the lead on four points you the listeners are just behind on three uh, there's obviously going to be lots and lots of drama um, with the predictions I'm sure that's all to come that is about everything though no extra news at all please remember if you do get a chance to leave us a review on iTunes remember you may end up getting rewarded with one of our brand new newly designed box hard podcast t-shirts that no one has yet seen um, I just want to give a special shout out a special congratulations to Sedam Amma for winning the Haringey Box Cup you should be more than more than more than proud of yourself for that that's a real achievement there but yes thank you all for listening to this week's podcast and we shall see you all again next week